And welcome back to the Transient Bacon Podcast once again. Today I have a special subject to me. Uh, always been a huge fan of solar. And um, we have Jesse Simpson. He is the solar division manager for the Treasure Valley for Magic Solar. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me today. Excited to talk about solar. I am too. So I, I've been a fan for a long, long time. Um, I've kind of watched it from its early days um, and, and kind of where it's progressed now. And, and we'll kind of get into that. Um, but kind of your background, how long have you been in the solar industry? How'd you get started? What does your journey look like? Yeah, I, I have been in the industry for about 11 years now. Um, worked here in the Treasure Valley for the past 10 years in the solar industry and I got into it um, in college after learning about where power comes from and I learned all about mountaintop removal coal mining and and uh, then learned that my, my college had a renewable energy program so that's really where it started for me. Yeah and what has the appeal of solar been for you? You know it's just a, a very new um, emerging technology, uh, really the environmental aspects uh, that we can uh, get our energy from this free resource, uh, the sunshine, um, you know, it's just very, uh, has always been super interesting to me. Yeah, same. I think just something that just doesn't have any moving parts uh, can just sit out there and do its job and be kind of left alone. And, and it's super, super clean. Uh, it's kind of my my attraction. But um, how long has uh, Magic Solar been in business and, and what kind of services do you guys offer? Yeah, so Magic um, Valley Electric purchased a solar or acquired a solar company uh, last year in 2021. And that solar company had been in business since 2012 uh, here in Idaho. And then Magic uh, has been in business uh, since 2013. Uh, they have a commercial, industrial, and agricultural electrical division uh, divisions. And then they also have like a home service side uh, where they do electric plumbing, heating, and air. Uh, and they, yeah, they, they're uh, an Idaho-based company. I took a trip down to California recently, and I noticed almost every single new home had uh, solar on the rooftop. And I, you know, their power costs are a little bit higher than ours, um, as you might imagine. But it, when it comes to kind of the Treasure Valley and your core market, um, the average customer or or the the target customer that could benefit from solar, what percentage of do you think the people that would benefit have already taken advantage of putting maybe solar on their roof? Well, I think it's pretty low here in Idaho. I, I think in the Idaho power territory, there's probably 3% or less of, of consumers that have actually purchased solar and, and um, yeah, yeah, invested in, in the technology. So has a long, long way to grow here in the Trader Valley. 
you know, I see subdivision sprouting up everywhere, obviously. And, um, I think like, man, every one of those potentially depends upon their roof. And of course you're the expert there. So you could tell us like, you know, if there is such a thing as a roof that wouldn't benefit from solar, but I see all of those and I'm like, uh, you know, that's just so much, uh, real estate for, for solar panels to just be sitting on top of. And I wonder also kind of like when you think about solar, um, there's pros and cons with every type of energy system. So how does solar compare to other renewables in your opinion? So, you know, you've got like what wind, uh, hydroelectric, uh, nuclear, um, you know, even coal, I know that's being phased out, but what poxes does it check pros and cons when you compare it to other renewables? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest, um, comparison is that when you install solar panels, you you install the uh, power production on site where that energy is actually going to be consumed. And whereas, you know, other renewables uh, still require off-site production um, and large infrastructure projects that that cost more money uh, to install and uh, solar panels can be installed, you know, right there. Uh, where the energy is is being used and and is needed, so there's less losses. Um, you know, I, I'd say the downside of solar, of course, is that it doesn't work when the sun is not shining or or at nighttime. Uh, so we still have to rely on uh, some sort of base power to cover those uh, times when when the sun isn't available. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, as, as battery technology progresses, hopefully some of that, um, that need that past, uh, sunset need could be filled. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different aspects to solar. Um, there could be the battery backup, there's capacity, there's, um, I guess the difference between what you're using and what is kind of going back to the power company, it, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. Um, trying to figure out how much you use on a monthly basis. Why would it to the to the consumer feel like it's so complicated? Um, and then can we start kind of describing and breaking down the components of a residential solar system and kind of what the core components are and maybe bringing a little clarity there? Yeah, sure. I, I agree with you. The, you know, re- reading your power bill and understanding where your power is, uh, is coming from and how you're being charged for, for it, um, it is certainly confusing. And it's it's part of what I take pride in in this job is, you know, educating folks about about their power usage and power bills. And, and um, you know, it's just unless you've taken the time to, to research and study it, it, it comes as a form of a bill. You pay the bill and you never think about it again. Um, so when you look at uh, solar, uh, you have to really understand, you know, how much power you use first. Uh, then that will determine how many solar panels you you need to offset that power bill um, throughout the year. Um, so so yeah, in a, in a solar um, system on your home or business, you you have the solar panels uh, which produce the DC electricity. Uh, you have the racking component that that um, you know holds the, the solar panels to the structure. Uh, then 
The most important part of the system is uh, the inverter. Uh, this is what I think of as the brain of the system. Uh, it converts the uh, DC electricity from the solar panels and converts it to match the utility grid, uh, typically you know, in a residence, 240 volt. Uh, so that inverter is really the, the major component that does, does all the work in the system. Uh, and, and then typically it just ties into your uh, existing electrical panel in your home. When I think about the core components, and I'm, if I'm following along here, you've got the solar panels, obviously, that's your collection. Uh, the racking, I think customers can be a little bit hesitant about having lag bolts, I believe, put like drilled through your roof. Yeah. Um, but to my understanding, those are pretty watertight, correct? Oh, certainly. Yeah, we, we use certified roofing products, and they're all flashed and and uh, sealed properly to you know last a, at least twenty five years. Um, just like you know any roof plumbing vent uh, that comes through your, your roof, it also has to be flashed as well. Yeah, and and then also um, if if somebody was like, well, I I don't know about putting on solar because of kind of backtracking a little bit, the solar panels themselves, you can still access the roof. You would just have to say remove the solar panels. You could leave all the wiring in place, uh, then re-roof or make whatever repairs you needed to if you were doing like a composite, like a shingle roof, and then replace the solar panels. Is that correct? Yes, that's that's correct. You can use all the equipment over again. Um, you know, we, we always recommend anyone that is considering solar that they have at least 10 years life left in your, your roof before you do solar. Uh, so you don't have to take that, you know, system off again and cost more money um, in the future. And certainly, you know, when you have a brand new roof is a, is a great time to look into solar. So we're working down the lines. We've got solar panels, then the racking, uh, then I assume, you know, some type of wiring, but that probably depends a little bit on what you were talking about, the core of the system, which is the inverter. And to my understanding, there are um, kind of two main systems, which, and, and again, you, this, you're not talking to a pro here, <laughs> vice versa. So uh, you've got micro inverters and string inverters. And, and uh, maybe you could explain a little bit of the difference and, and then how those are mounted or, or where they go in line in the system. Yeah, certainly. So as a consumer, you can choose this inverter product. Um, and you're correct. You, have a, you can choose a micro inverter or a string inverter. The micro inverters are typically mounted on the roof underneath each solar panel. So each panel gets their own individual inverter component. Um, and, and then the wiring is converted there on the roof and comes down off the roof as already uh, that AC power. Uh, and then the other option is to do a, a string inverter or central inverter. Uh, and typically those are mounted down um, near your electrical service panel um, in the garage. And in that system, you have one inverter uh, for the for the entire system that converts the power uh, right there. And there's certainly pros and cons uh, to each system. Would you like me to go into that, man? Oh yeah, let's dive deep. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the pros, I would say, I'll start with the microinverter uh, system. Uh, the benefit of that system is that if 
one inverter fails, uh, the rest of the, them still work. So uh, you, you have one, one inverter for every panel, one inverter goes bad, the rest of your panels are all still producing. And I, I really think that's a huge benefit of the microinverter system. Um, you know, these inverters are the brain of the system and, and the major electronic. Um, and, and there are issues from time to time with them. Uh, so with the microinverter system, uh, you have a lot more resiliency in your system uh, as compared to having one central inverter. Um, another benefit with the microinverter system is they typically come out uh, from the uh, manufacturer with a longer warranty replacement period. So most of them have a 25-year replacement uh, period. So that's another big benefit of, of that system. Um, however, I would say one downside is the microinverter system may cost you a little bit more up front uh, because you are having to buy one inverter for every system, or excuse me, every uh, solar panel. Um, so yeah, that's that's a microinverter. Uh, moving over to the central inverter or string inverter, uh, you know the benefit of that system is it is a little more affordable because you're only buying that one unit. Um, also, if you uh, ever had to service uh, the inverter, um, the, the the string inverters are typically more serviceable. Um, it is down on the ground where you can access it. Um, and another benefit of the string inverters, if, if you are thinking about doing a battery in the future, uh, the, the power from the roof comes down as DC power already. And so it's easily integratable into a, a battery uh, at that point. Uh, whereas if you have the microinverter system, you would then have to buy another inverter to, to reconvert the power uh, to store in a battery. Wow. I, I never even thought about that. But yeah, so solar panels push out DC power and your house uses AC. I believe it comes in as like a, what, like 120, a neutral and like 120. So if you bridge the two, like your two hots, then you could have potentially 240. Um, but right. I, but I digress. Yeah. So if, if you did have microinverters, you would then have to change it back to DC if you wanted to do a battery backup. So the people that do decide to do battery backups, are they almost exclusively, uh, string or central inverters? No, I would say, uh, the majority of them are. However, these microinverter companies have come out with their own battery solution, uh, so you can integrate their battery product into their microinverter system. Uh, however, it is more more expensive to go that route. Uh, so if you're if you're truly considering a, a battery down the road, I would I would recommend the uh, central inverter option over the microinverter. Hmm. Um, and then the central inverter does it sit outside of your home or does it go inside? Either or, uh, most of these inverters are, are rated for outdoor installation, uh, so they're all water watertight and can sit out outside or inside. I, I prefer to put them inside. I think they'll, you know, be a little more protective and have, have a little more longevity. Uh, but we put them outside all the time. It sounds like there's a dance between your solar panels and your inverter. Uh, they both have to really kind of be sized correctly, I would assume, to to work and, and kind of get the maximum out of your system. Do you 
oversize well on so I guess this is kind of a complicated question because if you're doing microinverters, each one is sitting behind the solar panel on your roof. So say if your solar panels are like 400 watts, then you would have, I am guessing, a 400 watt microinverter. However, if you have a, say, 10, 10 kilowatt array, um, then your string or your central or your string inverter would then be, what would it be? You'd have to size it right at 10 or would you go like 12 in case you're producing more or you, you never get full capacity out of your solar panel. So would you put one in that's like eight? Is that convoluted enough for you? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, there, there's some engineering uh, decisions you have to make there, but, but certainly um, you did bring up one good point is that when you have the central inverter system, you have to kind of size that uh, from the outset. And, and um, yeah, if you have a 10 kilowatt system, you typically need close to a 10 kilowatt inverter. Uh, or if you, uh, you know, think you want more in the future, you ought to buy a larger inverter. Uh, so you have the capacity to add more, more solar production down the road. Uh, whereas I think that's another benefit of the microinverter system is you can just tack on more more panels and add more microinverters um, as needed. Uh, so it's potentially a little more uh, expandable in the future. Yeah, yeah. So microinverters maybe have a little bit of an edge or maybe a large edge for uh, future proof, if you want to call it that, like you were saying. Um, so when when you're when you're sizing out uh, your system, have, have you had experience kind of like what you were mentioning where people are like, okay, you know, nine kilowatts is going to be enough for me. And then they say, well, maybe I could get a, a few more kilowatts. Now, is there any, besides covering your own power needs, is there any benefit to oversizing your system, say like 10, 20, 30, or, or even like a hundred percent? You know, there there's not any benefit uh, currently in Idaho to oversize your system unless you are 100% confident you're, you're going to increase your energy demand uh, in the near future. Uh, right, right now, if you oversize your system and you're producing more power that you're not using, uh, you, you just be giving that power to the utility company for free. Uh, however, I, I do have a lot of a lot of my clients that you know are looking towards electric vehicles in the future, and you know they have to make that hard decision: um, should I add the you know extra capacity now or or wait till down the road? Um, and I always guide them on you know I, I think if you're going to make that purchase in the next year, you probably should um, go ahead and add a few more panels now uh, because. Otherwise, when we come back to add more panels, you have to you have to repay you know some of the expenses again, like permitting fees and, and Idaho power fees uh, to add on to the system. Speaking of Idaho power, um, they are, to my understanding, the only place where you can go get electricity in the state, um, and they, I, to my understanding, there has been a. Uh, uh, a study um, where they talked about what is the fair exchange? Um, what is what do we pay back to the customer? So there's some policy changes that could be coming down uh, down the uh, pipeline in the next few years. Now, I, I think there's probably some litigation involved in there too, but can you kind of help us understand maybe a scenario where you have your your 
your needs are 10 kilowatts and I'm just throwing that out there and maybe you're producing 11 kilowatts per month uh, averaged out annually because you know you've got the uh, you've got the uh, little um, uh, bell curve or, or whatever it is for you know you got your summer and your winter and, and the production sure. varies but anyway I digress um, what what does Idaho power say if you overproduce and then how how do you kind of walk that line? Do they, they pay you back or like you just mentioned, like that, that power is gone. You're basically giving them money. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain that. Um, and talk about kind of what's going on in the, in the state of, uh, solar and Idaho power currently. Um, so, so yeah, right now, you know, you typically produce, um, more power, through March through October and, and definitely in the summer months when the days are longer and, and there's a lot more sunshine. Uh, so anytime your your system produces more power than your home is using, uh, then that power will go out and spin your meter backwards and, and go to Idaho Power. Uh, so currently, Idaho Power's net metering program that they've had for the past decade or so uh, allows for a one-to-one credit exchange uh, for that power. So you can produce that excess power during the day while you're at work and then come home at nighttime and pull that power back and basically you know, use the grid as, as your battery, per se, um, or even you know, produce a lot of excess power in the summer which most of our systems do, and pull that power back uh, in you know December, January, February when there's not as much sunshine. Um, so really, that that system is what allows folks to offset their their annual power usage uh, 100% because of that give and take with the grid that uh, Idaho Power has uh, currently. Um, However, uh, Idaho Power and utilities really across the nation are trying to uh, figure out, you know, is this truly a fair compensation for solar producers, um, you know, or, or should they be having to pay more uh, for access to, to the utility grid? Um, so, yeah, currently Idaho Power has an uh, open case uh, with the Public Utilities Commission, which which is the governing body for utility companies in Idaho, uh, and they are trying to nail down what is the value of a solar uh, producer's energy uh, that that goes back onto the grid. And um, certainly, there's there's many perspectives on this issue, um, and Idaho Power. Um, views it as you know, hey, we're, we're we're still there for you. However, you're not paying us much to be there for you because you you purchase solar panels. Uh, and then you know, a perspective of the solar uh, you know producers is like, hey, we we paid for all this power and we're essentially giving you this power for free that you can then sell to our neighbors. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an ongoing um, discussion and, and open case at, at the Idaho Public Utilities Commission um, right now. So I understand the net metering. So say if I produce uh, ten units of solar and I use ten units of solar, uh, it's zero. But if 
the legislation goes through that Idaho Power is interested in, um, which they say is fair, then I would be buying, say, like, I, I don't know, eight, 10 cents per kilowatt hour. And then they would only give me a credit of like four, 2.4 cents per kilowatt hour. Is that correct? Yes, that, that's correct. Idaho Power's goal, what they would like to see is basically cut that credit in half. Um, so what that is essentially going to do is is make it so uh, you can never offset your your power bill entirely unless you size your system you know like 200 percent of your of your need uh, to cover that power. Um, so it, yeah, it's a very um, hard um, hard issue to to decide. I see both sides of it. Um, but I, like you said, you know, Idaho Power is the only option we have as consumers here in southern Idaho to, to purchase our, our power from. You know, they are a monopoly that is guaranteed a profit and guaranteed, you know, to, to um, sell you power for, you know, forever. Uh, and, and where solar comes in is uh, I, I think it, it kind of brings some... Um, um, competition to that market, which is is fair and and um, yeah, so it it's definitely has a lot of perspectives and and um, you know that's what the public utilities commission is is going to have to um, investigate and, and make a decision for for Idaho consumers. Yeah, I, I think you said it really well there, Jesse. Because you know I can see both sides too, right? It's like if um, <clears throat> if they're spending the money to invest in these big solar plants, um, and uh, that's kind of what it costs them to produce the power, then that's probably what they kind of want to pay for it, no matter where it comes from. Um, I also see it on the consumer side, where we're trying to lower our utility bills. We're locked into only one provider, so it is a complicated issue. Um, and I don't know kind of what would be fair to everyone involved. I don't know if it's a, it's a win-win scenario is possible there. Um, what, what I would be interested in, um, knowing is if Idaho power says, okay, you know, you have to buy at a certain rate and you can only sell back to us at a lower rate, then would it behoove the customer to, Put in solar, but then maybe have those batteries as the first stop on that energy's journey um, to where it's, it. you know what I mean? Is there a way to beat the system? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think um, that's kind of where the industry is heading and, and where maybe the utility companies, you know, hope uh, to, to see people be able to use their power more, you know, in a smarter way. Um, so, so yeah, certainly uh, that battery is an option to hedge against, you know, these policy changes that, that utility companies would like to see happen. Um, however, these batteries, you know, the technology has gotten better, but, you know, not, not substantially better. And they still come at a very high cost. Um, to, to be able to install your own personal battery. Um, so, you know, that, that's where the industry is headed. And, and um, you yeah, know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, I'd say uh, the majority of people don't see the economic value in, in installing a battery at the, at the moment. 
Yeah. And that, I, mean, I guess that could change in the future as we see energy prices continue to increase. So we just have to see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, so we talked about the warranty on the microinverters. You said some of them come with a 25-year warranty. Uh, you, you know, I hear some people say, oh, well, solar panels, they're great and all. Um, what's the warranty on them? But also on top of that, they say, well, wh- what if they wear out? And to my understanding, solar panels never really like wear completely out. Yeah, certainly. So, um, yeah, solar panels um like you mentioned at the beginning, they don't have any moving parts. So a typical solar cell, um, you know, will, um, you know, after you install it, decrease by roughly half a percent um, per year over the life of the, the the cell. So typically, most solar panel warranties and and spec sheets talk about this 25 or 30 year lifespan of the solar cell, and that. Uh, means that, you know, 25 years from now, that solar panel is only going to produce about 85% of what it did when you first installed it 25 years earlier. Um, So they do slightly degrade over time, but, you know, very minimal. And, you know, I I believe these cells are going to produce beyond 25 years. It's just, you know, it becomes such a long time frame to, to, talk about that we we kind of just stop at 25 yeah that's really an interesting point i think is people were a little bit uh we don't we don't do kind of generational or strategic planning well it's more like what what do i get next week so to think about any type of product over 25 years most people don't keep their vehicles 25 years probably most people don't stay in their homes 25 years so i can kind of see why that is um, yeah, most people aren't going to be like, yeah, 25 years from now, I better be getting 85% efficiency, but that's reassuring to hear from you that the panels don't just, you know, after 25 years stop working, it's a slow kind of burn as far as their efficiency. And, um, uh, I think if my math is right, I mean, you could still potentially be getting power like a hundred years from now. I, I, you know, probably better technologically advanced panels have higher efficiency ratings or, or, or you know, are, are much more efficient at that point. But I mean, theoretically, you could get a hundred years out of a panel. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically. And, you know, I, I always like to mention to my clients, you know, that's why NASA has really, you know, used solar technology uh, a lot is because it's it's a tried and true technology and it will continue to provide power to their to their projects. You and I had spoke earlier and I think the top end efficiency ratings from a solar panel or I and correct me if I'm wrong like 19 20% is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's only going to get better. Hopefully, um, there are new technologies on the horizon as far as uh, bifacial solar panels, which means, and I, again, you're talking to somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, but um, you can absorb light on both sides. Um, Correct, there's yeah. multi-layer solar panels, so it's kind of like um, you're kind of recapturing maybe some of these uh, electrons uh, that uh, you didn't get in the first go around. And then just, we probably should, I should probably should have covered this in the beginning, but solar panels, they work by essentially knocking electrons loose off of a um, silicon uh, wafer, right? Or a silicon array? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, one, one portion of that silicon uh, wafer uh, is 
you know, dope with like a uh, positively charged substance, and the other is dope with a negatively charged substance. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the yeah, positively charged substance wants to get away, get rid of an electron, and the other one wants to get an electron. So every time the the photon hits that cell, it, it causes that jump of that electric current. Yeah. And, and even with the current technology, uh, you know, you still see some really exciting things happen uh, with photovoltaics. Root, <laughs> mess that you up a little it, bit. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> they have these things called, have you heard of these photovoltaics, which are these huge arrays that are out either in a lake or at sea? Yeah, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of those on online. Uh, they're basically using... Yeah, that, that space of water to, to install solar projects. Yeah, which could be like a win-win because maybe um, there's fish underneath that would enjoy kind of that shade, uh, kind of provides like a little bit of a different um, ecosystem for them. Uh, it's it's water. You're really not doing much except maybe, you know, driving a boat around out there. Um, and and it's it's kind of like the 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 surface area of the earth that we weren't using um, and, and, and you get some benefit out of it. Um, and then, you know, that's not the only kind of emerging technology when it comes to solar. You've got uh, building integrated uh, and basically, you know, what if you had all the windows in a, a skyscraper that you could, of course, see through, but then also produce some type of solar electricity. Um, really cool. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, bendable panels too have you seen these like if you want to put them like uh on an rv or flexible yeah yeah they're they're um coming out with you know basically you could put these solar cells on on any anything and and integrate them into uh the building and um that certainly uh it's got to be economical for people to purchase it but but yeah, there's a lot of still to come, a lot of advancements in, in solar technology that we'll see in the future. Yeah. Do you think that solar is, I mean, just from what we've covered, there's there's a lot to think about. But there are also quite a few resources out there to kind of help you come to the decisions on whether, you know, solar's right for you or, um, you know, what if you're unfamiliar with some of the components what about DIY projects? You know, I think over the past couple decades, you see the home shows like, uh, uh, Hey, you're going to rip out my bathroom and redo it. And that's great and all, but can you DIY a, say like a roof mount solar project? Is, is that doable? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. There's people doing it, um, all over the nation. Uh, however, you know, I, I would certainly recommend you have some construction, general construction experience, <laughs> uh, and also electrical experience, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it kind of um, combines the two most dangerous uh, uh, construction professions out there, you know, roofing and electrical. Uh, so you definitely want to do your research. Um, and, um, you know, have some background in, in electricity and, and construction. Well said. Yeah. And I think also if, um, you're going to do it yourself, you, you need to 
I think you file the plan, uh, and, and again, if I'm wrong, let me know. You file the plan with the county, they look at it, they approve it, and then um, once you get everything installed, or I think maybe at steps throughout the process, you have to come and have your building inspector come out and look at the, and then Idaho Power has to come out and look and make sure everything's wired up correctly. If you hire somebody like yourself, then you guys take care of all that, right? Yeah, that's correct. It, it's you know taken care of by the by the um, solar provider. Um, however, I, I would also encourage people to check with their local building divisions because I, I have heard that here in Idaho they're not allowing some homeowners to do the project solely by themselves. Uh, you know they want you to have an electrical um, electrician inspect and, and do some of the work because. You know, there are fire hazard potentials to the these projects. So um, definitely check with your local building division to see if, you know, you're going to have to bring in uh, some kind of electrical or electrician to help you on the project. Good advice. Uh, have you ever had any issues with HOAs like, hey, we don't want solar panels? Because my opinion they they look just exactly like another part of the roof, maybe a little bit uh, uh, raised and and but usually they're the same color of the shingles. Are are HOAs in 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 your experience are they usually pretty lax or uh, approving of people putting arrays on their roof? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it, it used to not be that way. I would say five six years ago, I, I ran into a lot of um, trouble trying to get some projects through HOA boards. Uh, however, the state of Idaho in, in 2019 actually passed a law that said HOAs cannot deny solar projects. That They can still suggest what it should look like and where where it should be placed, but, but they can't outright tell you no anymore. So that was a big, big win for, for the solar industry. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, a power source, uh, an alternative power source can be almost political in a way. Um, not maybe so much with the HOAs, but you, you find that people have strong feelings one way or the other, uh, almost like a political issue. What, why do you think that is? And, and, you know, someone like myself, who's very pro solar, um, can find themselves at odds and, and not that I would take it personally if somebody said, Oh no, it's not for me, but People feel passionately about it uh, on one side or the other, uh, pro or, or, or against. Why Why do you think that is? You know, I, I think it's um, really comes down to like the environmental issues. Uh, you know, you definitely have one side of the aisle um, pushing for renewables over the other. Uh, so that's kind of probably where, where it starts. Um, you know, and I, I think... Um, people just have differences of the opinions of, you know, who should be in charge of our energy infrastructure and where, where that should come from. Um, you know, it's probably the biggest issue. Um, you know, I, I certainly have clients that come from all walks of life and, and, you know, some days it's, it's, I'm like, wow, this isn't a political technology. You know, it's, it's really, you know, freeing, uh, give, giving people uh, freedom from from energy and um, you know, but but definitely when you look in the political space, it it tends to uh, become you know a political issue. Yeah, w- when I think of solar production and different parts of the United States, 
you know, I think about Arizona, California, obviously we talked about that just because of what they're paying per kilowatt hour, which I think is like around, uh, again, I'll get this wrong, 37 or 40 cents per kilowatt hour as compared to yeah. like our 10, I, I believe. I haven't looked at my power bill recently. Um, you know, but I think about those areas as, as solar is the perfect solution from a cost standpoint, from a, um, a renewable standpoint, and also from just a production standpoint, does Idaho fall into that category of, of a great place for solar? Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, southern the southern states, and the closer you are to the equator, the more sunshine you're, you're going to get. Uh, however, you know, compared to you know Arizona and Southern California, Idaho still gets a lot of sunshine. We, we get one one less sun hour on average annually compared to like phoenix or los angeles so it's it's still a an amazing um sun uh, resource here in idaho you know i would say typically the majority of our sun comes from you know between that march and october period uh because our days here are, are so long um, so I think, you know, we get it all in in, a sh in, in that summer period, uh, whereas the southern states kind of it averages out more throughout the year because they have more more sun in, in the winter months. Uh, but certainly Idaho has is a huge, um, you know, resource of, of sunshine, uh, you know, compared to, you know, I looked at bellingham washington they they almost get you know, <laughs> right. two sun hours on average less yeah. than la um so we're we're still in a great place for for accessing the sun uh and like you mentioned too the you know down there they they have much more expensive electricity rates which which makes investing in solar a lot more advantageous um however i, I think that's part of the the point in, in going in solar is uh, nobody knows what the electricity costs will look like here in the future either. So, um, you know, that's definitely a big benefit is, you know, you're kind of uh, locking in that that um, expected uh, power increase uh, from the utility companies when, when you invest in solar. Yeah. My understanding, our power generation in the Mountain West we're lucky to have a lot of hydroelectric, um, yeah. but, and, and that does keep the price down. But if, if something were to change in the future, solar would be a great hedge to, um, to offset, uh, potentially, uh, increasing, uh, costs. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's also, you know, we are becoming a more energy hungry society every year. You know, you can see this with the big push for electric vehicles, um, batteries, electric lawnmowers, you know, so I think solar also hedges against that. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're becoming, your needs for electricity are, are increasing. Um, and so if, if you have solar panels, you kind of can, can benefit all around. Yeah. And I, I'm such a huge fan of, of solar. Maybe I'm a little bit blinded, but I, I think there are certain technologies that have the potential to change everything or the way we live or think about energy. An example would be like nuclear, you know, fusion, which is they always the joke, the running joke is it's always 10 years away. Right. And they've been saying yeah. that from like the 70s. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think with 
combined technological advances, solar has the ability to shift the paradigm of our society? Yeah, yeah I don't know if it'll shift the paradigm, but what, what I do see solar doing for our society is kind of allowing us to detach from these large uh, monopolistic utility structures that we're kind of locked into and kind of providing the, the freedom of, of power for individuals to uh, produce their own electricity um, and, and, you know, not be subject to the fluctuation of, of energy, other energy sources, you know, as you see in the world, um, especially currently. Um, so, so, yeah, I think fundamentally it'll change uh, how we live in, in, in that way and, and basically give us as uh, individuals more more freedom to produce our own uh, electricity and, and uh, not be subject to these fluctuations that we see year after year in, in energy prices. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about putting solar on their home? Yeah, I would say definitely do a lot of research. Um, you know, you, you should get you know, multiple quotes if you're going to hire a company. I, I would recommend getting at least four four different quotes uh, because you'd be surprised how uh, the, the prices fluctuate uh, between companies. And, and you'll learn a lot in that process of talking to different to different companies and providers. Um, and then also I, I'd say try to find um, someone you know that has made the leap to, to solar and ask them what their experience has been. And and um, you'll learn a lot there as well, uh, whether it makes sense for you and, and your family. That's good advice. What? Um, so there's just so much with solar. Uh, how can people, you know, they probably listen to the episode and they say, well, I still have questions that, uh, that didn't get answered. How, how do they get in contact with you? Um, if they'd like to kind of talk and, and, and answer specific questions or, or kind of start the journey of maybe, um, putting a, putting a system on their own home. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can call me at, at magic solar. Um, look us up online. Our website is, uh, www.thesolarteam.com and um, I'm our Treasure Valley division manager here at Magic Solar and would love to uh, talk with you, answer any of your questions. I really enjoy uh, discussing solar anytime. Well, I'm very grateful to have you come on the program and and drop some knowledge on us. I I really appreciate it. So Jesse, thanks for coming on. Hey Matt, thanks a lot for, for the time. I enjoyed it.